It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Oasis Podcast, the number one rated podcast in the Siberian forests. Uh, my name is Matthew Newts. With me tonight, as always, is uh, just Josh. It's Josh. I'm not going to add superlatives to your introduction. I don't think you've earned wow. one this week. Uh, wow. But- what did I What did I do to offend? I'm just kidding. Uh, he's the man. He's the myth. He's a legend. Uh, the, the extraordinaire Josh Adkins. Josh spelt with two J's and two S's, by the way. Uh, what's up, man? <laughs> Not much, man. It's uh, it's a beautiful Monday here in Minnesota. We're getting one last blast of summer uh, summer weather, and uh, it was fun to get out to U.S. Bank yesterday, see the Vikings finally get a win. Uh, you know, the Seahawks have kind of uh, been a team that we've had some some rough moments, uh, moments of which I've been in the stands for mostly. We traveled to Seattle a couple of years ago for Monday Night Football, uh, got to meet Randy Moss. That was cool, but uh, ultimately we lost. I was at uh, the Seattle game in the freezing cold when Blair Walsh should have been able to kick a frozen watermelon through the uprights, and he could not. Yeah, I was uh, at that miserable game, too. Yeah, there was a 35 rip game that season i want to say too or it was basically it was over in the first quarter uh it's been rough against seattle so it was it was it was nice to, to finally get well, a for once they actually have to come to our town in the regular season it seems like we play in seattle damn near every year somehow it does didn't they they did come here last year obviously but the the building was empty i, I i'm pretty sure that's right well, it, it, we went there we went there. Okay. Well, well, yeah, it was nice to have them at home and it was nice to finally get a win against them. So, uh, you know, appreciate the Seattle fans that made the trip, but it was, it was really good to, uh, to see the Vikes finally win. Uh, just kind of a real quick side note before we get into it. Uh, Bashad Breland's really struggling right now. Uh, and one thing that I kind of picked up in this game that, uh, you sort of wouldn't probably hear, uh, maybe from anywhere else is, is, uh, you know, and I've talked about this in the past with Tyreek Hill. Uh, one of the funner things to watch him do is on rundowns, run routes, and just terrify defenders, almost have them falling over, and then uh, he just kind of stops on the route and you know, because it's a run play, right? Well, DK Metcalf did that in this game on a, on a Tyler Lockett end around and actually carried out the back shoulder, like jumped up in the air and tried to catch it, and Rashad Breeland went falling down and uh, it was just, it was a, it was a play that made me laugh. It kind of happened right on our sideline and, uh, DK Metcalf's a, a force, man. He played really well. He's, he's a fun guy to watch. Jefferson, I think got the better of him, but, uh, I mean, obviously they're not playing against each other, but Jefferson was clearly the best wide receiver on the field there, but DK is impressive, man. He, he continues to, uh, do amazing things, even if they don't show up in the box score. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, after that first quarter, I thought he might set NFL right. records. But yeah. yeah, we found a way to kind of shore up the defense in the second half. A large yeah. part of that was just holding on to the ball for more often than than not. We really dominated that second half of that game on both sides of the ball. I think Zimmer was right. I know this is getting very Vikings heavy, but he said it was the best offensive performance he's probably seen from this team as in his mm-hmm. seven or eight years as head coach of the squad. So a uh, very happy uh, day for Vikings fans, without a doubt. Well, and from a dynasty and a fantasy perspective, good to see Alex Madison finally pay off on, I mean, not to say that he's been horrendous in the, in the spot starts, he's gotten before uh, yeah i guess he is worth having a dynasty discussion over because um i think people get frustrated by him 
um, in his m- more traditional role when Dalvin is healthy. Madison will come in for a few carries here and there, and he doesn't really do much with them. He's but every time he gets the chance to be the basically the lead back in the game, he seems to shine. He may just be a case of a guy that needs the rock a lot to really get yeah. a rhythm. There is something to be said about running backs needing a certain amount of rhythm, a certain amount of hits to really get their their head into the game, the feel for the game. So um Madison. Um, obviously a must roster if you're a Dalvin Cook owner. Let's let's say you let's say you're, you're, you're not, so, sorry, go um, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think it's an interesting time to try and buy on him regardless, because um I believe he's under contract for next year. That'll be his fourth year in the league. After that, the Vikings are probably not gonna be able to afford him what he's probably gonna be worth on the open market. Um, already having locked up Dalvin Cook. So he could be in line for a, a starting job in 2023. Yep. Um, you probably don't need to pay much more than a, a third-round rookie draft pick to acquire Madison. I, I wouldn't pay any more than that, but a third might get it done. And I, if you're willing to be a little bit of pay, little bit patient for uh, what I think will be a starting running back in the league down the road, and probably a pretty good one, I think now is a sneaky time to buy on him if you got room to hold. Yeah, I think you're going to have a hard time getting it done for a third round. Not uh, not because that's not necessarily the right price. It's just that I think whoever has him, if they don't have Dalvin Cook, uh, if well, if they have Dalvin Cook, that's certainly not going to be enough. If they don't have Dalvin Cook, I think they're going to go to the Dalvin Cook owner yeah. and be able to get uh, get more almost immediately. Well, if, instead if of calling it a third round pick, maybe put in a receiver that's kind of in a you, similar like a I don't know a Van would, Jefferson or something. I was going to say would you give up Darnell Mooney for Alex Madison right now? I don't think I would. I still okay. believe in Darnell. So we did have a trade in the league today, Newts. Uh Carolina and Jacksonville swapped uh thirds and fifths and and Dan Arnold uh heads from the Panthers uh over to Jacksonville. Uh, and the uh, Panthers filled the uh, cornerback position that uh, J.C. Horn unfortunately had to leave after breaking multiple bones in his feet uh, with a foot, I guess I should say. Not both of them, but just one. <laughs> um, uh, they get C.J. Henderson, a talented first-rounder from uh, the draft last year. So uh, I think the fantasy implications here, are, you know, we can start with Dan Arnold. I think he heads to Jacksonville, and, and you know, once – uh, sort of up to speed. I think he's got a potentially valuable role. What are your thoughts on on Arnold potentially, uh, or Arnold headed to Jacksonville? Yeah, this uh, is an offense that definitely looks like they like to use their tight ends, and they they currently really don't have anyone there of interest. I know Manhurts scored a touchdown week one, and they've targeted. I can't even remember the rest of their tight ends, but they have targeted the position yes. a fair amount, and there's certainly yeah. yep. um, room for Dan Arnold to do well there. I know there are a lot of loyal Dan Arnold supporters out there in the fantasy world. I'm I'm I actually kind of consider myself one. I do think he's a talented player. Um, I'm just not quite as over the moon about him as others, but. Um, right. Uh, obviously it's going to take probably two to three weeks before we can really count on anything from him. Um, learning a new offense in season, probably a difficult thing to do, but seemed like a smart move to acquire Arnold for the Jaguars. But what I don't like, it's not really fantasy relevant, even for IDP players, because we don't necessarily care about cornerbacks and IDP. Yeah. And, yep. uh, giving up on a first-round pick just over a year after taking them, there had to have been some behind-the-scenes stuff going on, because that's just weird to me. 
Yeah, he, it sounds like he needed a fresh start, and it's it's ultimately really weird to see it because it's a Gator, and you'd think Meyer would sort of want to work with a guy like that, but apparently there was uh, no love loss, and and they they jettisoned him for a pretty pretty uh, cheap price, I would say. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, I think this does open some opportunities up for a couple players. I think Terrace Marshall, you look at the skill set um, and sort of the way he was used in the Joe Brady offense at LSU. Um, and I feel like he can kind of fill the role that, that Dan Arnold was taking in the passing game. He was uh, rarely used with his hand in the dirt. He was, you know, pretty much playing slot wide receiver for them. So I think uh, this does open the door for Terrace Marshall to keep continuing to uh, uh, impress. And, and he's been, you know, solid enough the last couple of weeks. But I think that there is a chance that he could be um, much more involved going forward. And, I, you know, Tommy Tremble had a pretty solid night on, on Thursday night football, obviously scoring that end around. Um, he's an interesting guy to me in deeper leagues. I've got him stashed on a couple taxi squads. Um, I know there's a thought that he's sort of more fullback than tight end, but um, I do like the player. I think that there's a, a talented after the catch guy. I think he could end up being, I don't know, Johnu Smith in a couple of years. I mean, it's going to take some time, but I think that's sort of the type of archetype you're looking at uh, if Tommy Tremble's able to hit. So I'm willing to wait. Yeah, it's an interesting comp, and I think that's a comp we – one of us came to when we Probably. were doing film study on him in the off season. So consistent um, take there, I guess. But yeah, his film at Notre Dame was limited, but I did really like what I saw. A very good player. athlete there. A yeah. really good blocker, surprisingly, for um, for what you would expect from a guy with kind of his archetype. But he's in a, a pretty aggressive blocker, so that'll get him in the good graces of that coaching staff, certainly. Absolutely. Well, uh, on tonight's show, we've got, uh, so uh, unfortunately we were unable to do a Thursday show, kind of just schedules never really matched for me and Newt's last week. So apologies out there to anybody who was uh, looking for that second show and couldn't get it. It just, uh, that's the way it happens sometimes. And we'll, you know, we'll strive to be better, but uh, yeah, it was uh, just sort of a a clash of schedules came up last Thursday. So we didn't do a game draft uh, on the air, but we did do one off air and and Newt's got uh, the Chargers Chiefs game. Uh, the Saints and the Patriots game, and the Bengals and Steelers, and I got Arizona and Jacksonville. Uh, Justin Fields' first start at Cleveland, which whew, didn't go so well, uh, and Atlanta at the Giants. So uh, we'll be breaking those games down, talking about any of the fantasy assets that sort of move value, what we're doing with them. Uh, but before we do that, we always kind of just like to open it up to sort of what happened in the rest of the league. And I think you know, we're going to talk about a couple of these guys during our game drafted games, but I think we should have just a general discussion about the rookie quarterbacks. And I think to say that, uh, well, with Trey Lance being the exception, because we just haven't seen him, I think of the other three that went, in, well, of the other four, I should say, that went in the first round, three have largely been disappointing, and one has maybe maybe just sort of met expectations barely and that one being Mac Jones, who obviously uh, in, in super flex, certainly he has value because he's a starter and there's consistent production there, but was sort of the one we were not all that excited about. So Newt's, what are you telling dynasty managers um, who roster any of these rookie quarterbacks? Is there anyone in particular you feel like um, is going to bounce back from this, you know, sort of really rough stretch to start their career, um, or any ones that maybe you actually are are sort of panicked about in Dynasty. Should we preface this conversation as just kind of a super flex only conversation? Yeah, does that I make think, sense? 
Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Because in re- in in one quarterback leagues, I think they're all very acquirable. And frankly, I'm I'm not valuing that position yes. that strongly in one quarterback dynasty because there's a million good quarterbacks right now. So uh, I just. I don't know. I don't really care to give advice on that. Um, in well, Superflex, though, um, okay, a lot yeah. of this advice you can use your own logic and apply to a single quarterback league if, if you wish. Um, but um, I, if I'm holding them, you were probably drafting early last year, which makes you more likely than not, not in every case, but more likely than not, the the managers that are rostering these guys, except for Mac Jones, are probably rebuilding or maybe they're they thought they were ready to contend but either way i'm gonna hold and i'm certainly looking to buy any of these guys for 2022 first round picks because i'm not loving this next quarterback class and if i can spend my 2022 random first round pick and throw in a a second or a third to go and get a justin fields right now yeah go and get a trevor lawrence right now i still believe in the talent of literally all of them yeah, well, let's narrow that down a little bit more because, you know, I'm not going to give the full game breakdowns of, of a couple of the guys that I watched. And I don't think you should do the same with Mac here. But if we're sort of looking the at the full body of what we've got so far for each of these players, uh, Zach Wilson, to me, is the most concerning. Um, and it, it's it's because it it doesn't seem like there's a single player on offense there. Uh, that's that's going to make a play for him. Aside from uh, Michael Carter looking pretty well this uh, pretty good this week, uh, Elijah Moore can't seem to find any open space. It seems uh, Corey Davis has dropped like six balls this year. It's been kind of brutal to watch him. Uh, you know, he was kind of the guy that they paid to be a veteran and to kind of lead this team and and this offense and and help make life easy for a rookie quarterback. He's been brutal. I. I Zach Zach Wilson's not been good. There's no way around it. No. But I think uh, to a certain degree, he's the one that concerns me the most because I don't think we're at the bottom of this thing yet. Um, I don't really see how this Jets offense is going to get significantly better the rest of this season. Um, and I, you know, I don't think Zach is ready to sort of transcend a bad offense around him yet. Um, I'm still a backer, and I think he's a guy that in the off season I'm going to be targeting a bunch. But I don't think we're at the bottom of this yet. Trevor Lawrence feels different to me in that sense, um, where I think you look at his game this week and four turnovers, it was, it was pretty bad at, at the very least two and a half of them were not on Trevor. Uh, he made a slightly behind, uh, the receiver throw to Hollister. That's why I say two and a half. Uh, but one of the fumbles was James Robinson trying to step up to pick up a blitz and the ball hits his shoulder pad as Lawrence is winding up and the ball pops out. Kind of just a fluke thing that's that's fairly unlucky. And the second fumble was literally the last play of the game when he's trying to just make something crazy happen. And so I think there's going to be a negative narrative written about Trevor Lawrence uh, that, listen, he's the generational thing. It's a big ask. He's certainly not living up to that. Uh, he's not even necessarily living up to the billing of a 101 quarterback right now. Uh, however, I think this is going to get better, and I think it's going to get better relatively quickly. So if I'm giving advice on who do you buy the dip on immediately, I think it's Trevor Lawrence. If you can find a way to get it, get in on Trevor Lawrence at 85% of what somebody would have paid in, in, in terms of the 101 in, in a super flex draft or in a startup potentially this offseason – um, yeah, I'd be going and trying to do it because I, I think he's, 
he's much closer than any of the other ones, in my feeling, to actually being good for Dynasty, for fantasy, essentially. Yeah, I think if I'm going to give advice on which of those, just those two to target if you're looking to buy the dip, so to speak, I would just say, um, I agree that I would prefer Lawrence, certainly, but um, if you really, really loved Zach Wilson, I'm I'm so hesitant to panic on a rookie quarterback struggling through three games and, and sell yeah. at, at that much of a loss, but, it, you know... People do weird things People, in dynasty. I was gonna say you, you, you the worst you're gonna get is a no. It's the it's yeah. the girl at a Doesn't bar. hurt to ask. Yeah, yeah. Like the only you, you know. Do so, you want to rank these five guys? Yeah, let's do it as, as dynasty assets. Uh, let, are we both in agreement with Lance at one currently? Just because we haven't seen anything to poo-poo him, or are you still putting Lawrence one? No, I'm still putting Lawrence one. As, as again for Superflex, I just I feel better about where we're where we're at long term. He's still my one. Trey Lance is the two though because of of what you said. We we don't really have any reason to believe that he's not who we already thought he was. Uh, we're, we're, we don't want to make you know quick judgments on the the guys that we have seen. That said, I had Trey Lance I think one or two anyways. So uh, yeah, that's still how I would have it. Is that fair for you is that where you're I'm, at i'm gonna flip-flop the two from where i was preseason. i had them okay. very very close um i was tempted to um to go with my gut and put lance one um over lawrence before we saw any football and i think i'm gonna make that quick flip and then i'm gonna go uh mac jones three uh yeah surprising no, I... myself mac jones three uh justin fields four zach wilson five yeah and that's the hard part for me because I think, listen, I could be wrong about Zach Wilson and sort of uh, he turns it around in the next couple of weeks and looks good. I'm worried Justin Fields played poorly enough in this most recent game. And listen, again, this was this is not all on the feet of Fields. That offensive line played brutal. It's an absolute crime that Jason Peters is still the, a starting left tackle someplace. Unfortunately, he's a really good all-time player. Uh, not good anymore. It was hard to watch that game. Miles Garrett actually absolutely terrorized the the Bears and was in the backfield all day. Fields didn't look good. There's no doubt about it. But this is the hard one because I, I don't think he did anything to prove that he deserves to continue starting when Dalton's back. And I don't think Dalton's out for more than a week or two more. So he'd have to do an awful well, I'm lot. I'm pretty sure, that. sorry to cut you off, yeah, but Matt, Matt Nagy, I think, said that he's honestly considering all three of his quarterbacks on yeah. roster to start yeah. next week. Don't be shocked if Nick Foles uh, plays next they can't, week either. Yeah, they can't ruin Justin Fields. He, no. he might just need some time, and that's what they wanted to do. And it might cost and... Nagy his job, but uh, I guess kudos to him for – um, not feeling that pressure of my job's on the line. I got to yep. make this work quick. If he's doing the right thing, regardless of his own job on the line, I kind of like that out of Nagy. Uh, haven't liked everything I've seen out of him, but um, <laughs> over the years, but I, I think he's uh, honestly, as much as we want to see Justin Fields unleashed, if he's not ready and no one would know better than Matt Nagy, I, I trust that he's actually making a, a smart decision. Uh, a decision that helps the overall development of the player. That's what yeah. you got to hope. Um, and frankly, so it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, fields get benched at some point very in the very near future. Based it's got to be right away. It's got to yeah, be now. You can't probably. let him play three games and then bench him. I don't think like it, yep. it's got to be, 
you never won this job. You got in due to injury. Andy Dalton was our starter. That way you don't need to treat it like a benching. You say, all yes. right, you, you were QB two. Once you earn that spot, it's yours. You didn't earn it. There was an injury. So yeah. you can spin it a certain way. If you, if Andy Dalton's healthy and then you, you keep starting fields and there's more games like this, it's going to be a much bigger blow to his ego to then turn around. No, I totally agree with you. And so I wouldn't be shocked if they announced that either Dalton's going to be back or that Foles will be the quarterback. That's why I say Fields is taking a value hit. And uh, again, this this one for sure, if he's not going to play, is going to just continue. His value is going to continue to decrease. That's why I'm going to actually say he's fifth for me uh, to get back to our ranking. I think just on the chance that Zach, because there's nobody that can replace Zach Wills. Unfortunately, they're, you know, Joe Flacco, maybe for the last game or two, if they're really just totally out of it and they want to just bubble wrap their franchise guy. Okay. But uh, at this point in the season, nobody's taking his job. And so I at least uh, can continue to be optimistic that they find a way to turn it around. Although I'm not very optimistic that it's actually going to happen. I think we've talked enough quarterbacks. Uh, some big performers from the week, the weekend, Deandre Swift, uh, continues to trend towards RB, you know, RB one, even top half of RBs, uh, depending upon your format does score a touchdown this week, continues to look good. I, you know, I, I think we've both been backing him pretty much this whole off season, but, um, if you bought the dip, you're getting paid right now because he, uh, I, I got him a couple times in redraft in the fifth round. I want to say he, he really took a dive there right before the season and, and props to anybody who was able to buy or props to anybody who stuck with him because uh, he looks fantastic. Yeah. I feel really good about appearing to be right on this one as <laughs> should you. Cause yeah. um, he's been my RB one from that class, literally the entire mm-hmm. the entire time he's been in the league, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's an outstanding player. I, I really loved your, uh, take on him being kind of the next Alvin Kamara in this offense, basically the same offense that new Orleans was running, mm-hmm. or at least they're trying to mimic that. These look great. Um, just a really good, phenomenal talent, uh, all phases of the game passing or receiving. Um, and then I think he's a talented runner between the tackles as well. And obviously Jamal Williams is going to eat work away from him there, but Jamal Williams does is not hurting DeAndre Swift's production, he's still getting the ball 20-some-odd times a game. It's all you can really ask for. Just like New Orleans, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an either-or. It can be both, and and they're both eating right now. And I I frankly don't have any reason to believe that they're not going to. And I think Swift's going to be the more consistent guy, but Williams looks good right now, and and he's going to continue. I think they're both startable. Well, obviously Swift is in your lineups, but I think Williams still continues to be flexible. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Marquise Brown because obviously the the Ravens are able to pull this game out, but they made it way more competitive than it had to be. And it was largely because Marquise Brown uh, had butter on his gloves or I I don't know. Yeah, I think it was three TDs that went literally right through his hands. And I guess one of them did get deflected kind of right as it got there. That one I wanted to give him, you know, the benefit of the doubt on. And then he dropped two consecutive more. And it was like, holy cow. Uh, with Bateman coming back, with Miles Boykin coming back, it's just a, you know, I, I've been backing Brown. I think he's a talented player. I, I actually said, I, you know, there's a chance that Bateman comes back and Brown just is is much more the alpha than we ever thought he might be. I, th- this is hard. This one was hard to stomach. I had him in a few lineups and uh, 
boy, to see him just let let that much go through his hands. Luckily, Baltimore got it done, but I think uh, they've got to at least con- consider the possibility of a changeover at that sort of top target. And I think either way, Bateman's going to be a welcomed addition to this wide receiver core. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, uh, finally better than Trent Sherfield, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, it's about time, right? Yeah, no, good on you guys, listeners of the show, for staying patient like we advised. And if any of you were able to uh, add shares, uh, kudos, because uh, we knew this wasn't going to last for long. And, and we're, I'm not ready to fully say that you can trust playing him every week now, nope. but it was very encouraging to see his snap share finally be damn near the whole Right. Game. Well, well, right. Which means that you can start him, you know, at least semi-confidently in good matchups. And I think when the really what he's limited by did, did Jimmy make one throw more than 25 yards down the field or more than 15 yards outside the number all game? I mean, he probably did make one or two attempts in that, but he seems so limited in where he's willing yeah. to go with the ball and how much they screen and just throw to the backs and dump it off and really depend on George Kittle to make yards after the catch. Debo, same thing. Uh, boy, I just, I got to feel like the changeover's happening. And I yeah. think that's where some of Brandon Ayuk's best traits sometimes uh, can potentially get unlocked. Uh, speaking of a deep threat uh, kind of being unlocked, I'm saying that Henry Ruggs is one of the uh, like must buys immediately in Dynasty right now. He was so freaking good this weekend. And I don't know how much of this game you were able to catch, Newt's. But there are two catches in this game where he absolutely just levitates, just ha- like hangs in the air, almost just floating uh, one along the sidelines where he does an amazing job to get two feet down. I think you look at the box score this week and you go four for 78. OK, that's that's all right. You know, good for Henry Ruggs. Th- this game could have been much bigger. Derek Carr just missed him on a 57 yard. Uh, what would have been a 57 yard touchdown? He was wide open and beat two players. Uh, I really think it's wheels up for Henry Ruggs, and I think there's reason to kind of believe in this whole Raiders offense. But now two weeks in a row, Henry Ruggs has been the guy that watching back this Las Vegas team, which, by the way, is becoming a, a must-watch right now. They are a fun team. They fly to the football. They, they are, they're deserving of eyes. And this AFC West being sort of top upside down in terms of Kansas City at the bottom with L.A. and then the, the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders on top at 3-0, and uh, the West is wild, and I'm I'm really enjoying this this Vegas team, and I think Ruggs is a uh, a must buy right now. I was thinking about it. I think some of these secondary running backs that we do really like, that we value quite highly, Newts. I think all three of them, in terms of Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, and Chase Edmonds, I think guys that we've all talked about liking. I think that there's a deal in just about every league that I have those players that I'd be willing to figure out to get Henry Ruggs, and I think. In certain cases, you might want a little bit back more than Henry Ruggs. And in certain cases, like Chase Edmonds, I think I'd be willing to do it straight up. The point is, I think if you're in a position where you have some depth at running back, at tight end, I would be considering opportunities to go get Ruggs right now because he looks, I mean, the speed is so obvious. There was a secondary play in this in this game where he takes it down the sidelines and he is an absolute blur. And I think once everything is unlocked for him, and frankly, for Carr, who's looking like an MVP right now, uh, Henry Ruggs is gonna has the chance to really give you some games that just flat out win you weeks, and uh, he continues to impress me. Right on. I think I'd still be on the side of preferring those running backs. Uh, okay. I, we've talked about it a million times where it's just a much shallower position. It is. I'm not necessarily saying that the talent isn't worth 
going after rugs if you are in the the rare situation of having a surplus at running back and a bit of a deficit at wide receiver kind of the inverse of what most people are dealing with then you're easily going to be able to kind of pick your wide receiver target if you're willing to deal that running back um but yeah um definitely agree with being a buy for me as well well and you that was just sort of three guys that i feel like make a statement on how big of an opinion I've got on Ruggs. Sure. I think there's other ways. A guy like James Conner, a guy like Melvin Gordon. Well, yeah, I'll make, I'll make those trades without Yeah, well, well, and I mean, you might have to add a pick or some sort of smaller asset alongside of it to sort of get somebody interested, but I think there's other ways to go about it. I just wanted to really sort of highlight sort of how big of an opinion I do have on Ruggs at this point. Um, I do think we got to keep this moving. I think we're going to talk Denver wide receivers. I think we can hold off on that. I did want to talk Denver running backs because Javante Williams is a guy you talked about on the most recent pod, uh, you know, that he's the better player, should take over this job. Watching this game back, I couldn't disagree with you in terms of the athlete, in terms of what he can actually do with the ball in his hands at this stage of his career. I do think it's important to note Melvin Gordon was still highly involved in this game. And Javante Williams fumbled in, you know, what wasn't really a critical spot because they were absolutely blowing the Jets out. But fumbled right right around the goal line. I think it was about the five-yard line late in this game. Um, and we saw some of uh, Demarie Crockett. The last name is Crockett. They, they they went to their third back. I think it's I think just it something. was Davy Crockett. Maybe it was Davy Crockett. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> possible. Uh, but I think it's just something to monitor in terms of we all want the transition to happen where it ends up being a 70-30 split, Javante Williams. Uh, it's not, it's not impending right now. I think it's going to stay this 50, 50 split. And in games where Denver wins 26 rip, uh, that might work for both players in games where it doesn't, it's going to be tough to trust. So, um, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Do you, I mean, you, I don't, I don't know if you were able to watch that game or not, but, uh, I did see the fumble, obviously hate to see that. Yeah. I'm going to stick by my, just, I, I don't know. Eventually I feel like coaches need to see what's obvious and Melvin has looked okay at times this year a little bit more juice than what he had last year but I don't know I trust my eyes I see a much better player um in Javante and and fumbles if that becomes an issue then I understand ball security is a skill and that you know if you need to go to the doghouse for a few games then I don't know if that's great coaching or not, but that that seems to be a thing that happens in the league. So if he needs well, to hold on to the ball and run a few killers, I don't know. And the reason I mention it is not because I expect the backfield breakdown to change any time, like, you know, in terms of he's going to get less touches next week because of the fumble. It's just one fumble in terms of if he fumbles again next week or if he fumbles in a week from now and, you know, it starts becoming a trend. It's something that I think you have to at least monitor and watch. So it's just something I wanted to point out. I do think Melvin Gordon probably uh, is going to eat into his workload for another four weeks uh, at least. So uh, I think we should keep it moving. we got to get through our game draft games. I, I mentioned that uh, the two teams we just talked about, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos at 3-0 and are at the top of the AFC West. But you had the uh, kind of the, the really the funnest game, in my opinion, to sort of just uh, in terms of pregame hype. And that was Chargers uh, in Arrowhead at Kansas City. Uh, pretty interesting game. Mahomes kind of threw it away at the end. What were your what were your takeaways uh, watching that one back? 
Man, you want me to start with the good stuff? Top shelf yeah. right off the bat? Of uh, course, yes. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Chargers, Chiefs, really excited I picked this one. Yeah. Um, I, I can go with the, the Chiefs side of the ball first, if you like, since you kind of led me into the Chiefs. Yeah, Mahomes uh, wasn't his shiniest moment. Um, there's really no dynasty, dynasty advice to be given unless you can somehow buy low it's not gonna happen one of the picks was entirely not his fault um the other one you know hate to see it a bit of an overthrow but no one's perfect it's gonna happen even chick mahomes Uh, i think the interesting talker in this game is probably clyde edwards alar don't you agree Uh, there's been a lot of doom and gloom on him uh he did fumble again early in this game and i I was surprised to see them kind of just stick with him he didn't even really lose a drive um so he puts up 100 yards on the ground and has you know his touchdown comes through the passing game but not much production elsewhere there i thought he looked pretty good in this game um i still don't quite see the talent that they saw to take him over every other running back in this class but for me this is a if you're rostering him this is your i'm shopping him now type moment I do not believe in him long-term. If you can sell him off a hundred and a touchdown as an RB two level value. So I'm looking for, I'd even make a lateral move at the position for someone that's probably a little um, less popular going in. Like maybe I target Tony Pollard with Clyde Edwards, Lar and trying to get something else on, on top of it. Tony Those Pollard are, and Henry Ruggs. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. CH. I'd definitely make that trade. So okay. uh, um, just an example to throw out there. Um, yeah. I, I would be looking to move on after any good Clyde Edwards LR game this year, unless he starts stringing a lot of them together. And then maybe I need to reevaluate my position. But um, yeah. for now, I'm really only roster him in one league. I'm going to be shopping him. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm right with you. I think I might even be willing to just turn the position into a wide receiver straight away. Um, I think there's somebody out there in your league who thinks there's a, they're a contender and be willing to give up, um, you know, a young wide receiver, maybe not, you know, the young wide receiver who we're going to talk about in a minute here, Jamar Chase, who's crushing. But could you get Devonta Smith and maybe even a little cherry on top? I think you could do something like that off of this game with Clyde Edwards-Solar. And I, like you, have, have not been, imp- you know, impressed with what we've seen. You mentioned the fumble. I, I don't know. I... He's very unspectacular, and I think a lot of his value is based solely around the idea that he's in the Kansas City offense, and it feels like he doesn't have the goal line role. The one thing about this this performance that I think you can sell is the fact that he did. I don't know what the numbers were on the receiving game, but I know he caught a caught a touchdown. He caught several balls when I was watching this game, kind of flipping around. Um, that's the part of the game that we really need to see him get in terms of uh, being a consistent fantasy asset. It hasn't been there up to this point, but it was there this week. And so aside from scoring the touchdown, I think you can sell the workload and you can sell the offense now that there's some passing role. So I'm with you. I'm selling. Right on. I uh, don't really have much else to add on the Chiefs side of the ball. Uh, let's talk about the fun stuff. The You're Los not going to bring up Josh Gordon? Jeez, oh, news. I meant to. I did. I meant to say, just don't be that guy in your league that picks up Josh Gordon tomorrow, or well, or pick him up and shop him, or if you if you've already got him, shop him. This isn't. This I, isn't. Yeah. I I see this every year. 
the once or twice a year he gets reinstated and yep. and then he's the hot waiver wire ad and someone inevitably pays way too much free agent acquisition yep. budget for him and then yeah. the only smart people to be involved in Josh Gordon are the people that are somehow able to acquire value for him in a trade right you are yeah. the real heroes in fantasy football <laughs> and then pick him up like eight weeks later and do right. it again in, in a, in a you know, eight month period or something like that. Uh, give us the Chargers side. Justin Herbert's stud, baby. The best, the best yeah, in the world. So I think he's, um, I was going to ask you this. Um, is he all the way up to your QB two and uh super flex dynasty rankings, or do you still have Kyler ahead of him? Do you still have Josh Allen ahead of him? Is, is he approaching QB two? Well, that's what I was wondering when you said Pat Mahomes. There's not really any, uh, uh, you know, actionable advice. I wonder, you know, I still have Mahomes pretty firmly as the quarterback one. I know he's he's made yeah. some sort of stupid mistakes. In fact, you know, they mentioned that he's you know one in three in his last four games. If you go back to the Super Bowl, there's some things he needs to clean up. But I think he's pretty far and away the top quarterback in dynasty and redraft. However, you want to cut it. Without that said, I think that there's a perception out there that the gap has shrunk immensely. I'm not sure that it has, but I think whether you're talking about Kyler, whether you're talking about Justin Herbert, whether you're talking about Josh Allen, I think people think that the gap is a lot smaller than it actually probably is. I might explore the idea of taking Kyler Murray and trying to, what what can I add to this to get Pat Mahomes from somebody um, because as much as I, in redraft, it's Kyler for me, uh, in dynasty, I'm worried about how long, uh, you know, the insane backfield talent that he has can sort of continue to prop him up. Not that he's not, he's really shown some development in his passing game, but, uh, to answer your question, I would still have it Allen Murray Herbert. But I, it's getting tighter between the three of them almost every week. And and Allen had a massive week this week, but uh, has obviously struggled a little bit to the to the start of the season. Has kind of made it a closer battle than I think it initially was. Yeah, in a weird way, um, most of those quarterbacks in the conversation between Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, and uh, um, and Herbert. Sure. Am I forgetting someone? Uh, either way, they're all pretty young, and but Herbert's the least experienced of the bunch, and yet he's already the one I think I'm starting to trust the most. Um, he's looked great in all three of this, all three of his games so far this year. I've happened to watch every Chargers game, but uh, man, this is the first time the the stats really matched his right. actual film. Per, or, you know what I'm seeing on tape. Um, he's honestly like. He might be a more accurate passer than Patrick Mahomes, a more accurate passer than, frankly, anyone in the league as, on deep balls. Like the dude's been fitting some balls into some insanely tight windows. Yeah, he's he's not afraid to make a a pass into a tough spot, and, and it seems like he's not getting punished for it because he's putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. It, he's just a fascinating guy to watch. I, I'm really interested to see if he's going to get a little bit more of a gunslinger mentality and make some more mistakes just trusting that accuracy and I don't know, man, but I don't see any reason to doubt him going forward. Really no reason at all. Mike Williams with another massive game. Gal, he looks good. Is he the wide receiver one or the top wide receiver in, in LA? You know, this is a really tough one for me because I've always been a Mike Williams guy and I kind of gave up on him a little bit last year. And then I kind of came back around in the offseason, and I actually acquired some Mike Williams shares. And 
I've been a lifelong lover of Keenan Allen. I'm not quite ready to turn the page and say Mike Williams should be ranked higher than Keenan Allen in Dynasty, but there are certainly teams that I have where I would trade Keenan Allen for Mike Williams straight up if I'm Mm -hmm. a year or two away from contention. I think that gap is getting pretty close, and I think this Mike Williams thing is a real real thing. He's really evolved as a talent. I've talked about him a few times in recent shows, but... The thing he has improved on the most from any of the past years, from what I remember seeing, is he is doing stuff with the ball after he catches it. Yep. He is streaking up the field. He's breaking tackles. He's fighting for extra yards, and he's doing it successfully. He's running a more diverse route tree than he's ever run. Uh, crossing routes, slants, ins, outs, posts, fades, whatever you want, he's doing it all, and he's doing it all pretty well. I'm I'm really curious to see uh, Matt Harmon's reception perception on him yeah. next year. Yeah, he's been he's been a, a you know a real bright spot to this fantasy season. I think he's got wide receiver written all over, wide receiver one written all over him. If he can stay healthy, he's super talented. The problem's always been uh, you know availability, being out there every Sunday, and um, he looks good. Let's just hope it continues. Uh, I think we should keep it moving along here. Uh, let's go to Atlanta, New York. I don't think we've talked about any of these players. Uh, not the most interesting game. Low scoring, 17-14. The uh, Giants uh, get her done. Excuse me, the, the Falcons get it done. Uh, Dan Jones, frankly, was the better quarterback here. I know a lot of people streamed him, uh, but ultimately makes the disastrous last, uh, you know, they've got the ball on the last drive. They've got a chance to go put some points on the board, 14-14. Um, and as he's been prone to do, just hanging in the pocket too long, not enough of a sense of, you know, an alarm when, when rushers are around him, uh, he gets stripped. Unfortunately, you know, fortunately for them, they didn't lose it. They were able to punt the ball, uh, but it basically killed the drive and, and gave, uh, Atlanta the ball in, in, in a chance to go win the game, which Matt Ryan did do, um, Saquon Barkley, uh, was much more active in this game. Didn't exactly still look great. There was a really... A really odd, I don't know if you saw this play or not, Nudes. There's a really odd spin move where he made, where he sort of like halfway through the spin move sort of stopped it, and it actually worked. It fooled the defender, but then he he slipped and fell over. He, he still doesn't quite look right, but he's out there for every snap. I know there was a, a, a brief injury scare uh, in the middle of this game, but he was able to return. He does score that touchdown, leaping over everybody. Uh, was more involved in the past game than he's been all year. Uh it wasn't maybe the spectacular performance from a film perspective that I was hoping to see. That being said, it looks like they're trusting his knee. They're trusting that he's healthy. Um, and he looks, you know, like a guy that you can trust in your lineup every week. It, I'm wondering if the, if the massive season ever comes for Barkley um, in the way that it did for McCaffrey and the way that it did for Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, that one season, Gurley being another example that just that one season where he wins fantasy championships, I'm not sure it's coming this year, uh, but he did look better. I think you can trust him a little more. The Giants wide receiver core, uh, boy, uh, pretty much all went down with injuries. Kenny Galladay came into the week, you know, kind of on a snap count. Uh, so they had to go to Colin Johnson in this game, CJ board. Uh, made a nice play down the field, but both Darius Slayton and uh, Sterling Shepard had to leave this game. There was some talk pregame that Kadarius Tony would be more involved. That really never uh, metastasized. He, he did get one drive where he was targeted three times. He had two catches, but ultimately another disappointing 
uh, performance for him, although it doesn't seem to necessarily be a him problem. It's just they're spreading the ball out, and Dan Jones not really taking enough shots downfield. This offense isn't working efficiently enough. Um, did you have a chance to watch any of this game, Newts? Um, very little. It wasn't on red zone much, and I haven't okay. had a chance to rewatch it. I I saw bits and pieces, but not much to really have a take on anything. Well, then let's talk about the tight ends because two very highly hyped tight ends, Evan Ingram. If you're not done with him already, I don't. Ha- I don't. You're of. You're obviously a Viking fan because you're a glutton for punishment, and uh, <laughs> it's he fumbled again in this game. He had I think two more drops in this game. Uh, It's not going to happen for Evan Ingram. If you find a way to get one or two big games in a row, especially uh, from Ingram this this season, find a way to get him off your team. He's not a good player. If you're the Evan Ingram roster manager, you're probably the last one remaining anyways. That that very well might be. You're probably going to have a tough time selling him off for scraps. You might just need to do the ceremonial (laughs) trip to the waiver wire. Probably. Yeah, Pitts, Pitts, however, we do think is going to be a good tight end. Um, however, you know, some of the problems that we talked about being there are, you know, have presented themselves. I know there's a lot of people very frustrated with his usage. And, you know, Lee Smith catches the touchdown in the red zone on play action. And, you know, it's not that Kyle Pitts can't block. It's that, you know, the investment they've put in him, it almost doesn't make sense to have him do that type of work. It's such a physical position. Tight ends, I think the most injured position statistically by uh, just by numbers every single year. Um, You know, it's one of those deals where Pitts isn't asked to do a lot of that, not because he can't, but because it's just not worth it. He was actually a decoy on that play. In fact, uh, he he came in motion and and lined up outside at wide receiver. Um, Listen, because he doesn't have that component as a, you know, of his game, or at least they're not going to give it to him because it's not worth the risk of putting him in there for the, the run play that works off the play action. Additionally, he's not ready to yet beat NFL corners consistently. He's not an NFL wide receiver at an above average level yet. So I don't really know what to tell Kyle Pitts managers other than what we told them at the start of the season. And we've been saying throughout the process which is you're going to have to hold. You're going to have to remain patient with this one. You're going to absorb a value loss for the first year. I really believe that. And I, you know, I don't, we're three weeks in, I don't want to victory lap this thing just yet, but it's been almost essentially to a T what we said was going to happen is that he's not ready for the type of role that we're projecting on him from a fantasy standpoint. Um, and, And, you know, Matt Ryan's part of this problem Kelvin Ridley, to a degree, is part of this problem. Their lack of a real running game is part of this problem. But let's not sugarcoat this. Kyle Pitts is part of this problem. He was not ready for what what we threw on him as a young player. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be good weeks. I think there will be some good weeks. He's certainly talented the red, in the red zone. You can kind of just throw it in his area, and he'll make a play. Um, but please, if you paid... 102, 104 in single quarterback. If you paid top eight pick in Superflex, you, you don't have any choice but to hold for the next 18 months and uh, at least until he regains some of this value at the very least. So, Nudes, what are your thoughts on Pitts? I, I don't really have much else from this matchup other than that Patterson was, uh, again, very good and is just a fun player to watch. But do you have anything to add on Pitts? Yeah, unfortunately, this isn't the best radio, but we've basically been giving the same advice on him uh, as we often do. Um, um, But my my main advice to people was don't draft him. 
try really hard to trade for him in the offseason. And I still <laughs> absolutely believe that he is going to be a great yes. player. But yes. you totally sold me on you're going to dip value a year, you know, the first year. That you're absolutely right about that. Um, he's not worth as much already as he was three months ago. So and, and, well, and just from the archetype standpoint of what you're gonna be asked to do as a rookie. Pat Fryermuth is more ready to make a contribution yeah. right now right. for fantasy than than Kyle Pitts is. And it's not because he's playing more snaps. It's not because he's a better player than Kyle Pitts. It's because he can do the types of things that just get him free points and free targets, like that little shovel pass where he's like the fourth option and kind of the forgotten man, and they're able to sneak him through. Kyle Pitts has got a, a an absolute target on his back right now. And I don't think he's good enough to win at a Travis Kelsey, like that type of target on your back. And I don't think it's going to happen, uh, you know, anytime in the immediate. Now, maybe by the end of the season, the, the middle of the season, we're getting more consistent performances. Ryan's starting to trust that he can just win with leverage and kind of throw it to one side or the other of Pitts. But I, I put an eye on Pitts. They looked his way a lot. He was the first read on, on several plays. And there just wasn't any separation. There was nowhere to throw the ball. He's he's garnering a lot of pressure right now, and he's not able to sort of, you know, uh, independent of them forgetting about him, just overcome that. I don't want to go too much longer on this game. I know we got to keep it moving. In fact, I think we kind of got to go rapid fire for these next two. Which one do you uh, want to do for your second game? Well, I can probably do New England, New Orleans pretty quick. I should have said that the other way around because the game was played in New England. Uh, (laughs) On the Saints, Jameis, just not enough volume for him to really ever be in your lineups. I think uh, in Superflex leagues, if you don't need him to be a starting quarterback, you're probably going to want to churn that position. Uh, Maybe you use Jameis to try and uh, buy real low on one of these other rookies as a part of a package. Can I ask you a question before we get too deep into this? I know we, neither of us were fans of Ian book. I feel like if, if Taysom Hill was going to be a guy that they wanted to get a look at on a real basis, he would have just won this job. Right. So I'm wondering, is there some value in just rostering Ian book, go make a really cheap and maybe we get the last six weeks of the season of him or the last three or four weeks of the season just to so the Saints can get a look and maybe you can flip him. I'm just wondering if he's a guy that even though we weren't a fan of the prospect, uh, right. we can manipulate the system a little bit here, I think, on this one. He's yeah, maybe a guy that I'd go make a That's actually kind of a good meta advice to give is even if you don't like a player, right. um, that doesn't mean they don't belong on your team. Um, you can play that game, that yep. kind of the game theory style of fantasy management where you see a guy that's poised to have an increased workload soon. And there's absolutely a yarn you could spin that would lead to Ian Book playing games this year. Yep. And super flex, any quarterback with a heartbeat is probably on someone's right. team. And the top 10 to 15 prospects slash backups are being rostered as well. Yep. And I'm guessing Ian Book is available in more super flex leagues than he's not so probably a sneaky little waiver ad even mm-hmm. though I think that's a guy you absolutely should look to trade away as soon the as moment he, yeah yeah exactly the moment he gets the job you're looking to get out for a second you know turn a third Maybe. into a second or yeah. something yeah trade to the guy that lost to a right. or you know it's someone that's really well, short on QB at the time the flavor of the week that week how about uh, Alvin Kamara kind of a bounce back performance here I did see some of this game. It was good to see him catch a touchdown. Uh, how did he look? How did the Saints utilize him this week? 
Well, my take on Kamara isn't so much that he looked good because he always looks good. Yeah, I'm glad that he, yeah. you know, had a good performance uh, as opposed to last week where he had to, you know, face a tough run defense. But uh, I, what's interesting to me is he's being used a lot more as a traditional running back now, 24 uh-huh. carries, handoffs. Usually yep. we're seeing six, seven, eight, nine rushes and heavily targeted in the passing game. And they're kind mm-hmm. of starting to shift a little bit away from that. And I'm not so sure if I'm happy about it. How do you feel? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I was, wa- I watched this. I didn't watch this game, but I watched last week's new Orleans game. And, you know, part of the problem with Jameis and part of the advantage of Alvin Kamara and what made him and breeze so good is that they never worried about if we've got five into block and you send six, that was never problematic because Alvin Kamara would just, you know, float out to the side and Breeze would flip it over a defender's hand, head, yep. and they'd have 10 yards of open space with the best, you know, number 41 with the ball in his hands. Jameis won't do that. Even when the blitz comes, even maybe if he knows or doesn't know that there's short, you know, blockers to block this up, he won't do that. And so at the second half of that game last week, uh, it seemed like Alvin Kamara was was you know, pass doing pass pro, you know, a lot more than I've ever seen him do in his entire career. And so at a certain point, you got to wonder, can Jameis even get out what we've seen from Kamara in past years? So finding a way to get him points, you know, he, he probably to, you know, to return value at the, the rate you selected him at, he probably needs to lead the league in touchdowns again this year. That's the unfortunate reality of it. And not that it's not impossible, because like you said, he's a fantastic player. I don't know. You know, we didn't. We mentioned we didn't do our Thursday show. We were going to do last chance to sell. Alvin Kamara is a guy that I think is approaching that area of his career, where you're looking at the last real opportunity to sell him at marquee, uh, you know, top 15, top 12 single quarterback, top 20 value. Uh, in Superflex, it's something at the very least. If I'm not a bulletproof contender. I'm at least exploring. I'm making some big offers. I'm seeing what I can get done. I, I'm i not discouraged necessarily that this year is going to be bad. I just don't know where the massive season comes, especially in PPR. And I think that makes him a much more hit and miss asset week to week. And that's, you know, I think that's essentially what you're asking is, is are we okay with this? And no, not exactly. Okay, and uh, before I move away from the Saints, I forgot to mention Jameis Winston had one of the more boneheaded decisions I've ever seen a quarterback make this week, and yet it resulted in a touchdown pass to Marquez Callaway. So that's just Jameis for you. He's basically in the grasp of a sack halfway to the ground, and he just shucks one into the back of the end zone, and Callaway makes a fantastic contested catch. Uh, Pretty lucky play there. Just shows you. Jameis doing too much of that. It's going to lead to uh, the 30-30 Jameis. And uh, I don't think Sean Payton's necessarily going to put up with that for very long. So (laughs) on to the Patriots. You explained away some of Trevor Lawrence's turnovers uh, in his game. I can easily explain away two of Mac Jones's three interceptions. One Mm -hmm. of them was completely on Jonu Smith. One of them, they're down, you know, 13 four, or 15 points with about six seconds left. And he's just trying to make a play yeah. happen at the end of the game. Yeah. There, it, it didn't affect the outcome at all. Um, that's not a throw he makes in a tight game. So really just a one and one there. So I thought Mac it, Jones it, played actually pretty decent. This, Sorry, you want to say something? Well, so, well similar to Trevor Lawrence. I think the one I, I, I did watch a little bit of this back. Uh, both of their interceptions that were bad were the pick sixes. 
Uh, right. They were both bad throws into coverage late, and uh, they got you know they they paid for it. Uh, the the other the, the other ones I think yeah were to some degree bad luck or just unfortunate circumstances. Well, Max pick six. Um, the ball was in Janu Smith's hands, and he was starting to roll to the ground, and it plopped into the air. And then Malcolm Jenkins. This was the first play after halftime. Scoops it and scores the other one that almost was a pick six. That's, he was under okay. pressure, and I'm, he made a you know, kind of a split second decision that I'm sure you would love to take back, but young quarterbacks under pressure are going to make mistakes. So good catch. You're right. I had those. Yeah. I had those backwards. So yeah, good catch. How about the running back situation? Damian Harris with a real dud, James Harris, or excuse me, James white, uh, hip subluxation. We don't know what the timetable is, but it can't be particularly good. Uh, anything actionable from this new England back? Uh, as you see it. Deep leagues, if you want to chase that pass catching role in the Patriots backfield, uh-huh. probably going to be a lot of a lot more Brandon Bolden. I'd like it to be JJ Taylor, but Bill Belichick loves Bolden. Um, the front seven of the Saints completely dominated the Patriots' offensive mm-hmm. line in this game. I'm not mad at Damian Harris. There was literally nothing he could do. Um, yeah, so. I guess if this is an opportunity to buy on Damian Harris, I'm taking that chance. Um, receivers, Kendrick Bourne thought it was a really dumb signing um, at the time. <laughs> Not so much because I hate Kendrick Bourne, but because the amount of money they gave him with, based on what the market was kind of saying around the league, didn't make a lot of sense. But that being said, I thought he played really well in this game. He looked extremely... Uh, quick over one long catch and run over the middle. And then on his touchdown, it was a fantastic catch in contested coverage where he high pointed the ball around the four yard line. And then was kind of his momentum was taking him out of bounds and he was somehow able to kind of tiptoe two or three times just to regain his balance to reach out over the pylon. It was just a play that I never would have expected him to make. And, uh, not necessarily going out and sending trade offers, but if you're in a shallow enough league, there's a good chance he's probably available. And I, I think he might be worth a bit of a speculative ad. And um, Jacoby Myers did play well in this game as well. Nelson Aguilar kind of got lost. Don't think this offense can support three wide receivers. So I'll, I know there are some dynasty best ball leagues out there. These guys are probably better suited for best ball plays, but um, I do think there's a little bit more talent in this wide receiver room than maybe the community will tell you. Yeah, I just don't think you're ever going to know which week it's, it's going to be which, and that's why I think, like you said, best ball is the play. we got to really speed this up. We're running a little bit long. Let's just keep it to one big thing on each side of the, the ball here. Let's move it to the Chicago at Cleveland game. I talked a little bit about Justin Fields already and not laying this at his feet. Um, I think the point that I'll make, you know, as it pertains to that is uh, the the Cleveland corners are really good. And we already talked about Miles Garrett and that defensive line basically living in the backfield. Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney were not creating a ton of separation on these corners. And I don't think that that's necessarily an indictment of the two Bears wide receivers. It's simply the you know a statement saying that these these Cleveland corners played really well here. It was pretty clear coming out of the second half that the coaching staff had told Fields, "Look, the windows are small, but you got to let it go. We can't keep taking sacks. We'd rather we'd rather you try to you know force a ball every once in a while as opposed to what's been going on." He tried to take that approach, and there's still there's just there was no room to operate for really anybody in this offense. Uh, Montgomery included. He he had a couple really kind of boneheaded runs, but 
for the most part, there was nothing that he could have really done in this game. The Cleveland side, uh, Kareem Hunt obviously has the big day, kind of reminding us that this backfield does flip back and forth every once in a while. Chubb's still the guy to roster. Hunt's still a guy that we like. Uh, these games are going to come, and and frankly, Chubb never really got uh, a lot of breathing room. But I think the guy that really needs to be mentioned here is Odell Beckham. I thought he looked really, really good. I got a sleeper report saying he didn't come out for the second, the start of the second half. I didn't see any uh, injury or anything that you know would indicate to me that he was anything less than 100%. Obviously, coming off of this knee, we'll have to watch the practice reports this week. We'll have to see if he can follow. Uh, what was a really good game here, I think, for him. Obviously, the big play and the touchdown is lacking, uh, but he was involved from the second play of the game. He was targeted on both the second and third uh, plays of this game. He caught the caught the first one, didn't catch the second one. Uh, in any case, the, the box score is not huge, and I think there are people that would sell Beckham pretty cheaply right now. I don't know that he's not necessarily a guy for contending teams, uh, if you need a, a third, a fourth wide receiver, I think he's a guy that I would go kick the tires on. He looked really, really, he looked healthy here. Um, and I think that's a good thing because Baker Mayfield in this offense is kind of humming right now uh, on to Minnesota, as they say, next week. So I'll, I'm excited to see this team coming to town. Uh, I don't have a lot else on this game. You got any takes on either of these teams that uh, maybe I missed? No, I'm glad to see o- Odell back. I was buying yeah. shares this offseason. I, 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 th- I really believed that he would uh, come back to relevance, and I'm glad to see him back in the game. On to Bengals at Steelers. I'll start with Pittsburgh. The most actionable advice I'll give from this game is Big Ben is kaput. He was awful in this game. He can't throw the ball more than three yards down the field, and even on those quick passes, which is 99% of their offense now, he is wildly inaccurate on them. Yeah, I believe he is sitting at 399 career touchdowns. As soon as he gets 400, he should probably save face and retire. And if not, Mike Tomlin <laughs> needs to put him out to pasture. Well, let's 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 be serious. Would you be pick? I, Dwayne has. That's where I'm leading. Leagues to, is available in, in some of mine here. Or Mason Rudolph in or your Mason, yeah. leagues. Make speculative ads because I am saying right now Ben Roethlisberger does not deserve this job. Maybe there's going to be too much loyalty involved with yeah, Tomlin, and and he's a Hall of Famer. I understand. Yes. You don't want to embarrass your Hall of Fame franchise quarterback and kick him to the curb, but I, I hope he kind of looks in the mirror a little bit and does a graceful exit, but the exit needs to happen or else yeah. it's going to cost the Pittsburgh Steelers a season where they have enough talent to compete. Well, I think what's interesting is I think he makes it very hard for the Steelers to compete. What I do think is nice, at least from a fantasy perspective, is Najee Harris as of yeah uh, he's going to catch into, 85 balls again right, here, so. right. And, and even Chase Claypool was able to still get something done so maybe if if even if Ben can't really you know support an NFL franchise the way he used to maybe he's not going to completely derail the seasons for some of these Pittsburgh assets that were so you know that we're all very invested in uh people Friday, like sorry, sorry. go ahead I was just going to say, people like to call Michael Thomas slant boy, but Ben's turning this whole team into slant boys. <laughs> but, yeah, and we, we mentioned uh, Fryermuth got into the end zone. How about uh, the Cincinnati side? Maybe one big thing. Uh, Jamar Chase, uh, all that uh, preseason nonsense, is uh, that's in the rear view. He's a stud. Um, you probably can't go get him, but I hope you already did. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just real quick, I'll say, and I got to preface this by saying I'm not comparing the two players. I'm not comparing their careers. 
but just this one little skill set that Jamar Chase has. When the ball goes up in the air, the only comp I can make for sort of the third, like eighth gear that he's got when the ball goes up in the air is Randy Moss. It's where he's almost like lollygagging on the first half of the routes, almost to lull a quarterback cornerback into a false sense of security. Geez, say that 10 times fast. Uh, and then he just hits the jets and goes, he's, He's been really impressive. I'm so glad to see him turn it around. I've had him 101 in, in non-superflex all you know this whole time. And I put my money where my mouth is. I've got a lot of shares. So uh seeing him do what he did this weekend's been fantastic. How do you just real quickly, because we do gotta go quick. Where do we see more? Because four catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns. He's not gonna catch two touchdowns or a touchdown every single week. Sort of where, what area of the field do you think they need to get him more involved? Because this does still seem like lower volume than you'd expect for a talent of his nature. Yeah, the Bengals have had some weird game scripts where they haven't needed to, to yeah, true. throw a lot. Yeah. Burrow's attempts have been pretty low in all three of these games, so it's really tough to evaluate volume as an issue unless it's not just an issue for the whole team. I don't think they're going to be able to get away with very many more 20 passing attempt, easy cruising victories like this. Burrow's just going to have to throw more. So I think volume will be Jamar Chase's friend. I do think his skill set can win really anywhere. So um, he's probably the best option they have in the red zone. So I think he could be a touchdown machine for them. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing they didn't do at all in this game is just get him a manufactured touch, which I think is something that maybe they'll look to do as he continues to break out and um, sort of, you know, show that he's the player that he was uh, 18 months ago, the last time he played football prior to this season. I really got to fly through Arizona at Jacksonville. We talked Trevor Lawrence. I explained kind of a lot of this wasn't at, you know, wasn't his fault, in my opinion. That said, it's been a rocky start. Hold tight. I think go by if you can. James Robinson is, I think, the guy to talk about. This first half, again, was a very scary one. Him and Carlos Hyde basically split the work. In fact, Hyde had the one explosive play. Um, And then in the second half, really on a drive in the third quarter, uh, at a point in the game where you thought Jacksonville was going to pull this thing out, they had the Jamal Agnew uh, return on the the end of the first half, and then they take it, I think it was the second drive in the third quarter, uh, just run after run after run and pounded it down. Uh, Arizona's throat eventually ending up with a James Robinson touchdown. He looked good. I think he's going to continue being a steady RB2, even a high-end RB2. I think there's still still room to maybe uh, go by him if you're contending, if you need that sort of thing. Uh, on the Arizona side, there's honestly not all that much actionable. I think really it's crazy to say, but former gopher Max Williams with the double X is probably the most actionable thing. I think he's worth a speculative ad in, in FFPC. I wonder how many deeper leagues, up to 30, 35 spots, uh, he's actually rostered. I'm sure there's people out there going, not in my league, but uh, just go give it a check because he's he has all the snaps and Kyler Murray just continues to make things happen for players around him. Max can be a beneficiary of that, and is, he's kind of fun to watch rumble around after the catch. So. Uh, I'll just say go add Max Williams. Kyler Murray doesn't exactly have the crazy statistical game, uh, you might hope, but played well here again. James Conner, frankly, actually looks a little bit better in a secondary role, but I know I said I was going to keep it to one thing. Rondell Moore, sort of disappointed, but uh, uh, go by if you can. We're still very optimistic. You got anything else, Snoots? We got to kind of get out of here. We're over an hour. 
Well, that is just shameful time management by us. We may be in line for some NFL head coaching opportunities (laughs) after this show. Wow, bazing. Nice one. Uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's the show tonight. Thanks everybody for listening. If you could leave a five-star rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, I'd even take six stars. If you six can stars would be great. Yeah. Figure, figure out a way, out a way to, to throw an extra algorithm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the best way you can support us. We really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we'll be back on, uh, Thursday, hopefully this week and, uh, uh, get some Monday night football wins and, and enjoy your week. Auf Wiedersehen. That was German.